Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. In recent years, black people have been leaving the Christian churches in large numbers. For many, the biggest reason for the exodus is the idea that Christianity is a white man's religion designed for white people and based on white supremacy. But is there any truth truth to this? Is Christianity a white man's religion? Well, the business of being black today is Christianity. Is it a white man's religion? Let's get down to the business of being black. Please welcome Yoruba Shango, priest Chantrell Lewis. Hi, priest Chantrell. Alafia, Tammy. Celebrity Tara Reader and Psychic Boots. Tara, hi, Boots. How you doing? I hope you're doing well, Tammy, and your locks are rivaling mine, darling. <laughs> I love the rivalry. The president and CEO of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference of Southern California and co-pastor of Christ Liberation Ministries, Pastor William D. Smart, Jr. Hi, Pastor. Hello, Sister Tammy. It's great to be here. Ah, I love the energy. And the founder and CEO of Jew 3 Project, Lisa Fields, is on board. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Tammy. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I want to say we're going to have this conversation today with much respect to everyone's religion. And I like to just say that first, because I know uh, the business of being black is a debate show. But I would love for our audience to know that it is a spirited debate based on people's perspectives of life, different perspectives on life. And so therefore, we'll do it with respect. Let's kick off the first question. As usual, why should black people care if Christianity is a white man's religion? Pastor William? We should care because in reality is really not and that we have to make sure that we authenticate the witness of Christianity as an important part of the lives of African-Americans. All right, Boots, why? I mean, we kind of have to care about where our culture and history come from in order to positively formulate our mindset around what it is we choose to believe in the 21st century regardless. So I'm not going to just say two plus two is four because somebody told me that. I want to know how you got that two, where that two come from, and where my $4 million is at. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) So I say that to say this. History is important for the present in understanding. Did we wrap it all the way back around the reparations boots? Okay, I see what <laughs> you did my there. Dollars I, there. I, I see what, what you did there. <laughs> I see, I see. Lisa, why should black people care about Christianity being a white man's religion? Yeah, I think we should be concerned because Christianity has been used as a tool of oppression. Mm. And I believe that's a counterfeit view of it and that a, a authentic Christianity has eternal implications. And I think that's important for us today. Yeah, that's wonderful. It uh, reverts back to the history of it all. And I'm so confused about history today. I don't really know what the truth is and what a lie is. So I hope y'all can help me when it comes to Christianity today. Chantrell, priest Chantrell. After four or 500 years of oppression, of enslavement, of being raped, of being colonized, of being uh, brainwashed, of being held down, I think it's time for a new strategy and the church ain't it, respectfully. So is Christianity a white man's religion? Let's just ask that question. Um, and Pastor, Pastor Smart, I want to start with you. Well, there are three things that identify it as purely an African religion. First of all, um, the person that is the person that's founded it in reality, um, Jesus Christ. He was a he was a African Afro-Asiatic person. Number two, the early founders of the church, Cyprian, Tertullian, and Anselm and Augustine. All of those helped develop Christianity, and they were from Africa. 
Thirdly, it is the reality of today's life that we live in, we practice this religion because it's ours, the radicalism of it and the culture of it, all of it revolves around the development of a, this religion as a black religion. Priest Chantrell. Can you repeat the question, Tammy? Because I'm like, I want to keep my answer succinct. Okay. Is Christianity a white man's religion? Of course it is. Unless we're talking about the Coptic Christian church from Ethiopia, right, in Eastern Africa. When we look at how Christianity was uh, proselytized, how the mission of Christianity was spread around the world, who has primarily written the doctrine of uh, Christianity, the people who originally spread it throughout the world, those were white people. And then when we ask ourselves, what did our ancestors believe? Our ancestors, meaning African people who were enslaved, African people who lived in West and Central Africa, were they practicing Christianity? That's the question you have to ask yourself. So when we ask if it's a white man religion, well, if it was, if it's not a white man's religion, whose religion is it? Well, I kind of have to disagree with you, and I respectfully so. I'll say that religion in its construct is not a skin color at all. I think it's a belief system formulated on how you want to access the separate part of religion, which is spirituality. Everyone can access spirituality in the way that they see fit, which is my belief system. But what Christianity has done, and I'll go back to the other panelists, is oppress. If you pay attention to how it got to this country and how Black people or people with melanin in their skin started to believe believe in Jesus Christ, everywhere colonization took place, Christianity showed up. So it is used as a tool of oppression, but religion in itself doesn't have a skin color. You can believe in snails and be white and snails and be black. I mean, it's just the construct of what religion versus spirituality is. Now me, by the way, panelists, you can call me he or she. I'm not gender specific because I know that earlier we had some complications, but it's cool. But I'll say this, at the end of the day, religion is what you believe in, in terms of your spirituality. Spirit has no color. Spirit has no color. Lisa, is Christianity a white man's religion? Yeah, I believe white evangelical Christianity is more than likely a white man's religion. However, I believe that black slaves call uh, white people to the carpet and how they misuse Christianity. I think about the slave Bible and how they took out all the verses about liberation and only used oppress uh, passages that they could use as tools of oppression to oppress black people. So I always tell people if they, if Christianity is a white man's religion, why did slave masters only use part of the Bible um, to oppress people? It seems like that they had to try to manipulate Christianity to try to use as a tool of oppression, but Christianity in itself in its pure form isn't oppressive. Agreed. Yeah, I'd like to ask that question, too, um, because uh, Pastor Smart said that Jesus himself was a black man. And many people believe that outside of, I would imagine, white people. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. My grandmother had a picture of the white Jesus, so I guess my grandmother believed it, too. So but let's just say many different people believe that Jesus was not uh, a, a black man because of the, the way that the Bible was hijacked. Uh, by colonizers, let's just say. So, yeah. and and then to Lisa's point, how they used the the slave the 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 verses in the Bible when it comes to slavery as a way to hold and oppress. So let's speak to that. Well, you, can I? Yes, yeah. please. The important thing here, what we what you just we just said, hijack. You can also say that you know coming out of Africa, you we. I think we may have lost Pastor Smart there. But that's okay. I'll pick up where he left off. Chuck. Go for it. I'll say this. Um, Christianity in itself has been used by evangelical Christians to oppress other religions. Um, our core religious beliefs have been lost and jaded through time and space. And if you want to ask the question, if Jesus was black, I mean, we have to look at how the geographic of the world evolved. Pangea was Africa, and we all are black, right? And then it separates from there and it diversifies. So it's going to be funny. Everybody's gagging about the little mermaid being black. They're going to gag when they get to heaven and see Jesus locks like we do. There it is. Um, Lisa. Yeah. Go right ahead. What? I wanted, I thought you had something to say on that. 
Uh, no, I just, I think that it's important to look at the black presence in the Bible to show like, it's hard. You're going to be hard. It's going to be hard to find a white person in the Bible. And so while white people saw the Bible and use it as a tool of oppression, black people um, and brown people outside of Jesus were, it was black and brown people throughout scripture. And so I think it's interesting that people use pictures of white Jesus and white Bible characters when that's not true um, to the original text and to what to uh, the other panelist point of where the Christianity and Judaism, where they're at geographically. Priest Chantrell, uh, the whole Last Supper is nothing but white people. (laughs) (laughs) They have no chicken on the plate. Listen, because I, I really, you know, I came on a show because I really wanted to, um, I guess, help educate audiences about African spirituality, right? Because I can't argue with people about beliefs. Of course. If someone is using the Bible as a document, I can't, or, that's about belief. And Boots, I agree with you there, right? We're talking mm-hmm. about belief. That's to true. me, the Bible is not the word of God. I, I practice Yoruba. My people came to New Orleans from Haiti, Sakpase, okay? Prior to that, they also came from Yoruba land. So that doctrine in and of itself is not the word of God to me. So mm-hmm. I can't I can't have a, a full discussion about what the Bible says that's truth as fact, especially when we look at like people who have uh, taken a Bible and uh, edited it, you know, throughout centuries. Um, uh, King James being one of them, like what kind of person was King James? I know my grandmother gave me a King James Bible. Who was G- King James in reality, in history, right? And so I think it's important for us to like really historically look at mm-hmm. how did Christianity, that's the better question, is like how did Christianity come to us as a people, why do we practice Christianity? And what were the beliefs of our ancestors, of our great, 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 great grandmothers and grandfathers and grandmothers grand non-binary people? That's, what were that's they believe? I completely agree with you. And those beliefs- Hold that thought, Boots. Right. Hold that thought. We got to go to a commercial break. But I want to talk about that. I want to talk about uh, religion in a contextual way. Uh, where did it come from? And what history are we looking at when we talk about Christianity? We'll be back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. And the business of being black today is Christianity, a white man's religion. Let's talk about the historical context of Christianity, Pastor Smart. Yes. See, Christianity was a merger of the black religious experience, the black, no, the African religious experience when our brothers and sisters came here from Africa. And it merged with Protestant. The, the question becomes, though, who is King James and where did he come from? Oh, it's on me. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I just want to uh, allude to the pastor's uh, uh, commentary here really quickly. I agree with the fact that Africans and Black people have this ability, and I don't know if it's because of the melanin in our skin or what, but we can take something and make it our own. For mm-hmm. instance, you can go into a predominantly Caucasian facility, and you never see them shout, but they say, Hallelujah, like they know what they're talking about. You know what I'm saying? But if you go in the Black church, we can kind of shout and we express our spirit in a certain type of way. I don't feel like the origins of Christianity are African because I believe that myself practices some of those African traditions that are not scripted. They are orally passed down to us from generation to generation. Then I will say this. You have to look at the context of what Christianity is. As a homosexual, Black, non-gender conforming, uh, African-American, college-educated male... Um, I've been oppressed. I know what that feels like. And if you take a religion and it then tries to convert people to believing what it is, well, that's exactly what the people who introduced it to you did. And you're monkey seeing, monkey doing. If Christianity was for Black people, then even my Black ass would be accepted into it. Mm. Lisa? Mm. Yeah, I want to go back to your question about King James. I think uh, that's a common um, question and a challenge to uh, the scriptures. But I want to also note that King James was not the person that was translating. There were actual scholars that were translating and that they ascribed it to him because he was the king at that time as like getting credit. But he was not, he was the one who kind of financed the translation, but he was not the one translating. And then if we move it uh, to another translation or NIV, those are scholars looking at the original Greek and Hebrew and translating it. And they're getting the same thing in translation that people that translated it under the umbrella of the King James. So I I think, 
this this notion that the King James is translated by King James is kind of uh, it's it's false. Uh, but I understand the challenge to it. But I think it's important that we delineate between the fact that he didn't uh, in himself translate it. Um, well, isn't that equivalent? Is, but isn't that equivalent to? Uh, I mean, King James obviously is the name on the Bible as the author, and no, many he's not people the author. He's not. He's not listed as the author. It's the well, King it's James the version. version. Yes, it's a King James version. It's just saying this. This person uh, is ascribed to him, but he's not the author of it. So I think any historian would would tell us that he's not the author. It was scholars that actually translated it from the Greek and the Hebrew um, into English. And it was other translations yeah. outside of King yeah. James Version during that time, the Latin Vulgate and other things that uh, were outside of King James that would attest to the scripture as we have them today. So I think it's important for us to note that there were other translations during that time that all said, the same thing, King James was just one of the people who ordered a translation by scholars. So I think that's important to delineate so we won't think that the text we have today was only uh, through a King James version. So yeah, but I guess my, my question, uh, my question still applies here though, Lisa. Um, right. So if it's the King James version, uh, let's just say I write a book and I have other people who are transcribing my words into that book. Isn't it equivalent to that? Equivalent to those, autobiogra those autobiographies where Muhammad Ali didn't write the book, he just shared the words or allowed the transcriptions to happen. You know, I, you know one of the things that's important- let me, let me let Lisa answer that question real quick, uh, Pastor. Yeah, okay. I would delineate it between that because we're, we're thinking about King James, to my knowledge, wasn't able to translate Greek and Hebrew. And there were other translations that predate uh, the uh, King James Version, the Latin Vulgate, the Ethiopian Bible, that would have the same translation, essentially, that the King James Version has outside of Old English. And okay, so got even it. if we want, so that's, yeah, that's what I'm just trying to articulate. Yeah, understood. Pastor Smart, uh -huh. go ahead. I was, I was just going to accentuate what Lisa was talking about there. Uh, Pastor Smart, we are unable to get a clear connection from you. So we're going to have to work on your connection and, and hopefully you can return to the show. Uh, Priest Chantrell. Thank you. Ooh, Tammy. So Lisa <laughs> said something very poignant. They translated from Greek and Hebrew. Did they translate it from Yoruba? And, and, and Igbo, did they translate it from Fulani and Hausa? Do they translate it from Akan and Ashanti and Eve uh, and Ga? So you're talking about a text, right? That was not translated from African people. Like, listen, I'm not gonna argue with you. I, I believe Jesus is black. I actually love Jesus. Jesus is my homeboy, okay? Just to give you a little bit of context, I grew up in New Orleans, Louisiana, right? A little town called New Orleans, Louisiana. I was born and raised Catholic. I converted to the Baptist religion. I went back to the uh, Catholic faith when I wanted to make my confirmation. Uh, and now I practice Yoruba as well as hoodoo. Um, The question I always ask is like, what did your great, 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 great grandparents practice and what did they believe? Of course, we have a black church. Of course, the black church and the Christian church has been Africanized. It was Africanized, that shouting and catching the Holy Ghost and the Holy Spirit. That is nothing but uh, uh, people being uh, possessed by the spirit of the Loa possessed by the spirit of the Orisha, possessed by the spirit of the Abu Sam, possessed by the spirit of what we call Egon, our ancestors. Of course, there is sacrifice, the lamb of the blood. What is that? Where does that come from? So when we have sacrifices in our traditions, of course, we Africanize the Christian church. But be clear, we got Christianity, again, not from the Coptic church of Ethiopians in East Africa, but Christianity came through us 
by sword and shield and guns and rape and oppression, period. Prior to the Haitian Revolution of 1791 to 1804, when uh, the Haitians with their machetes, the Haitians who in the ceremony at Bois said, bon Dieu, good God, give us the power to be victorious over our captors, right? And they became the second independent republic in the- so, Hold on, Pre-Chantrell, I want to I stop you a little bit. Okay. So are you suggesting that um, Lisa is saying that, of course, the Bible is translated in Hebrew, but it's not translated in Yoruba. No, I'm saying, no, today it's probably, oh, the, it, the Bible has been translated. I'm talking about originally. She was talking about okay. it was translated, the King James Version, from Greek and Hebrew. That's what she said. That's what I'm talking about. I'm saying that it wasn't, it wasn't a text that came from Africa, because like Booth said, we were an oral people. That's why we have griots, right? So Those I want to ask Lisa then. Lisa, has the text been translated from Africa? No, I don't. I don't think that's what she was articulating. I think she's articulating that she's she's trying to she's trying to articulate that it wasn't she. Let's take a quick break. We'll be okay. right back. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. And today, the business of being black is Christianity. Is it a white man's religion? Please welcome Yaraba Shango Priest Chantrell Lewis, celebrity Tara reader and psychic boots Tara, the president and CEO of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference of Southern California and co-pastor of Christ Liberation Ministries, Pastor William D. Smart Jr., and the founder and CEO of Jude 3 Project, Lisa Fields, is with us. So um, let's get back in to this. We were talking about the history and Lisa, you were telling us about the history of King James and how it was not King James who actually translated the Bible, but it were, were it, it, it was scholars that actually made the transition and it was financed by King James. Yes. And I, I think the, where we left off was uh, me responding to the, this, um, I think idea that's a very good question where what did Africans practice before they became, um, entered into the transatlantic slave trade. And I think it's important that we look at that Africans were practicing uh, very various religions. So you had voodoo, the African voodoo. indigenous uh, religions, but there were also um, uh, Jews, black um, Israelites that came over. And also there were Christians from, especially from the Congo that came over uh, during the transatlantic slave trade. So if we're going to be historically honest, we have to say that there was a, a, uh, Africans that came over that practice uh, a multiplicity of, of faiths before they came over. Probably the most predominant would be the African um, religions that they uh, that they practice. But there were some Christians who came over. So I think that's an important note to know, especially from the Congo, that the Congo had become a Christian nation um, before the transatlantic slave trade. And some uh, about 2000 historians, uh, 2000 slaves that came over uh could have been uh, Christians already from the Congo. So that's boots. I see you itching in your boots. <laughs> yeah, my boots get a little itchy, darling. But trust me, I got the words to relieve that pressure. Basically, how important is the history of a religion belief in order for you to actually practice it? Now, again, it goes back to the dichotomy of religion versus spirituality. Again, I'm a very spiritual person, being naturally born psychic, and I found that spirit is directed by religion. So who cares how it got passed down, whether the text was misconstrued or mistranslated or what? If Jesus is for all, then how come we feel oppressed in terms of us accepting that religion in terms of the aspects of who we are today? I feel like it's more important to look at God in itself. And what religion is, it offers an explanation as to what human beings could not explain. It gave us faith in things that we weren't able to see, what we weren't able to grasp at that time. And behind that construct that we call Christian or Jewish or whatever is a spirit that's where my spiritual mind goes. And I honestly feel like it's a more accepting and liberating religious practice, spirituality that is, which is why, like you said, Tammy, a lot of people are converting from a tight-knit, oh, you can't do this, oh, you gotta fast and you gotta you know, kill a lamb or whatever the traditions are and finding God within themselves. We're gonna be the new authors of religious texts. And trust me, it will not be misconstrued or untranslated in a proper fashion nowadays. 
There have certainly been some uh, biblical proportions of America that have happened within the last three years, I must say, uh, that are worthy of noting its own chapter in the Bible. Yes, Pastor, I see you. I'm simply saying that I agree why get stuck on how we got here. We're here now, and it's important now how we move together. Religion through Christianity has been reinterpreted at different times for different events, and some people have just kept it at the way it has always been. But we need, Christianity has to be liberating. It has to be empowering. It has to be the type of thing that people can express themselves, that Boots feels comfortable in religion, that a Yoruba feels comfortable with their religious experience. That's the new Christianity that I have been a part of for over 30 years now. And, and so, if you were my pastor, I would probably be Christian today. <laughs> but this is this is what I'll say in the context of this. And this is a question I want to prompt the pastor with, if you don't mind, Miss Tammy. Um, there's this element of Christianity that is um, Europe, European col uh, colonizational conversionism. You're taking us from a belief and making us believe something else. That is also reiterated in the Black Christian faith. Do you feel like there's a similarity to that? And do you think that's a white thing or Black thing? Or why do people just won't accept people for who they are and what they believe? What Can I pick you back on that with Boots? Because I, I have a couple questions for both the pastor and Lisa, right? One is, what are the tenets outside of love? What are the tenets of Christianity? Because from my understanding, in the 12 years that I went to Catholic school and was taught religion in school, instructed every single day and every single Sunday when I was in church, it, it, how, do you, how does one get into the kingdom of heaven, right? And well, even that language, the kingdom of heaven, right? How okay. does one get into the kingdom of heaven? And what is someone being saved for? I'm just going to ask those two questions. I just want y'all to answer those two questions for, for me. At least. Well, there was three questions there, uh, Chantrell. Uh, is love the only tenant? What is the kingdom of heaven? And what does it mean to be saved? So, well, Pastor, I'll let you address that. How does one that. get into the, the kingdom of heaven? And the question about boots, you know, in terms of having to convert somebody from one system of let belief to another because there's only one true God. Right. Okay. I'm just let me, curious about those things. Let me let me deal with let me deal with something real deep here of this whole salvation thing, and that is the fact that there are over there there's over thirty thousand in the world more than that religions. I have never believed that as a follower of Jesus Christ, my way to salvation has been through Jesus, but I have never discounted other people having another way to salvation. But you're rare. Uh, what is the church? What does the church teach you? What are the doctrines? What the church? church? You know, the That's church. Rare. That's your personal beliefs. Like I have personal beliefs. I believe that so, we evolve. So Pastor, let, let's let him answer the question. Pastor Smart, what, what does the I mean, church believe? You know, the churches believe again that through that they believe, we believe that through the salvation of Jesus Christ, you are saved. But listen to me. From what? You from what pastor? Count Say from all what? the other people. There was a, a and when I was in divinity school in class, I, a couple of us always almost got thrown out because we said you cannot discount the mediators that everyone else has to God. You yeah, have, but say from what? Say from uh, what? Say from what? Say, oh, you, you know, save is a process that, you know, I, I believe save in salvation what, is love. Ways of the world. Ways of the world, yes, salvation. And and, and then uh, for my own social justice, how you but not help people. But well, this is what I, this is, let me, let me chime in here. Pastor, I want to say this, you're rare. That's a rare Christian mindset because uh, I, I survived two months in Victory Christian School here in Charlotte because they tried to paddle the gay out of me. And clearly <laughs> that didn't work. I say that to say this, you are borderlining kind of my belief system, which is, a man's way to salvation is a man's own. So if mm. I choose witchcraft is my way of salvation and saving or quote unquote, saving people from themselves or the devastation of this world, you're saying that that's acceptable. And I think what Chantrell is trying to say is typically that's not acceptable, uh, a, a acceptable Christian mindset. Either you worship God, take off your dress and you, or, or you're going no, to hell. No. And that's, you, that's typically what we've been. Not, but, it, oh. but Pastor, like let's, but, and, and, and thank you for saying that, Bruce, because listen, I still go to church when I want to go to mass. I go 
the mass. I pray with my grandmother's Bible. I'm singing Christian, saying Christian prayers and singing right. gospel songs. I play gospel music for my grandmother whose picture, whose portrait is right behind me. The point that I'm trying to make is the tenets of Christianity are that if you do not accept Jesus Christ as your savior, you will burn. And this is what I have to say to black people who are in the audience and even white people, Asians, Latin Americans, whomever. In African spirituality, there is no such thing as hell. There is no such thing as hell. There's no such thing as hell. There's no such thing as the devil. So what am I being saved from? Well, I think that if, if, if you want to bring it back to the topic, what you're being saved from, um, they're saying saved in the context of colonization. They Again, if you're going back to Africa, when we were introduced to Christianity, you're being saved from yourself. Your, your way of life was wrong, so we're saving you from this. Now, if you pass that down through generations, it's like playing a game of telephone. Oh, saved from the devil. Okay, now saved from the goat. Okay, now saved from Beyonce. Well, you can't be saved from Beyonce, because Beyonce is, you know, that's deep. <laughs> Hold that thought. But, but, but when we come back, when we come back, I want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. I I heard you boots when you said uh, they paddled you in church to paddle oh, the yeah. gay out of you. So I want to ask when we come back. Besides slavery, how has Christianity harmed the black community? So I want you to think about that uh, while we take this quick break and come right back on the business of being black with Tammy Mack. Welcome back to business of being black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack. Is Christianity? a white man's religion. Lisa, you talk about the Congo a lot, but before we get back to the Congo, let's talk about how Christianity has harmed the black community or has it harmed the black community? Um, I know Boots, you shared with us that your church tried to paddle the gay out of you. Well, you are be- as bold as possible in your knots and your peacock earrings. How does that work out? First of all, Tamara, do you like the knots? I'm trying to look I'm loving big. the knots. I'm jealous. <laughs> okay, thank you. But yes, I attended Victory Christian School here in Charlotte, North Carolina. The pastor and ordaining minister's name was Pastor Pratt, and clearly he wants a little bit of smoke, honey, and that's exactly what I gave him. Now, I will say that I love the music of the place. You know, I'm a very artistic person with the album coming out on Halloween, so I love the music of the place and the pomp and circumstance, but I was actually issued to go there after I got kicked out of boot camp. I was gay. I come, my mother comes from the old school. She's 75 years old. I love her to life, but I was her renaissance, so she had to learn how to deal with me, and going to Christian school was her way, until I tore that office up when they tried to put that paddle to my butt. It wasn't going down. So to redirect that back into your question, has Christianity harmed the Black community? I feel like it gives, it gives, it depends on your personal experience. It gives certain people a box to live through and be successful with, and uh, um, elevate through, and it does in fact, initiate the energy of Jesus Christ, which like Chantrell said, he's my homeboy. We dap up all the time, very loving and supportive energy. However, the contextual aspects of the Christian faith can limit someone from expressing themselves. And that's exactly what they tried to do with me. But just like pastor is an accepting rare breed, baby, mm-hmm. trust me, never gonna be able to bother these boots, baby. That's what they ain't gonna do. But in, if I take somebody who doesn't have my grit, and you place them in a Christian environment, they're going to feel limited. They're going to be the ones that develop a pedophilistic type of mentality when they're older for young boys, because when they were young boys, they weren't able to express their sexuality because the context of their belief system was constraining. I don't, if I'm personalizing it, it is harmful to LGBT non-conforming Black individuals simply for the mentality behind it. You have to be a man. You have to, you know, do the, you know, the, the, like, like the tenets that were discussed. However, if I take a step back outside of myself, it saved a lot of lives. I save a lot of lives with my practices as well. Is there is there a proper or harmful or less harmful way to God? And the way I look at it is you can take American Horror Story season two, or you can take um, a T.D. Jake's TED Talk. Whichever one appeals to you is where you're going to lean on. And hopefully you find the salvation you're looking for, whether you go through hurt, harm, or whatever to get it. That's my opinion. Lisa, a lot of people point to the scripture in the Bible, Ephesians 6, 5, which states, uh, bond servants obey your earthly masters with your fear and trembling with a sincere Mm -hmm. heart as you would Christ. So does the Bible justify slavery? There are also, um, there are also verses that say the opposite that, uh, you know, basically it says the head will be the tail and the tail will be the head. So Lisa. Yeah, that's a great question, Tammy. And I think it's important that we look at these passages by, uh, Paul, who who uh, who wrote that that uh, slaves 
uh, that slave masters use as tools. But also we want to look at like uh, Philemon, where he's talking to uh, a slave master telling him to kind of give liberation to his slave. And also Paul also says in another passage, if you can get free, get free. So I think about it that we have to take it holistically. Paul was not in a democratic space where he could, uh, he could, push for liberation like we we have in the US. Also, I think it's important to take it not only looking at that looking at the passage where he's saying slaves submit to your slave masters, but also looking at the passage where he said if you could get free, get free. And I think I always think of it as I don't know if y'all seen the Harriet film. Um that came out a few years ago, but she's talking to her sister and she's like, she goes back for her sister and she's saying, come with us. And her sister's like, I can't, I'm not going to be able to go. I'm, everybody's not going to be uh, a runaway like you. And so her sister has to learn how to live in the context of slavery. So Paul, to me, is giving a text to those who can get free, but also to those who are not going to escape for freedom, who actually want to be a slave because it's a different culture, how to have a, a thriving or do the best you can in the horrible situation. So I think he's giving kind of a strategy for both those who can get free and those who are going to remain. And I think it's mm -hmm. important to look at that um, as a more holistic picture of the text. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with, I'm not sure who said it, but uh, if the Bible is about freedom, is about liberation, is about Jesus and loving everyone, it's kind of interested, interesting how we as humans pinpoint specific verses that cast people out from mm -hmm. the love of Jesus or yeah. the love of God. Right. So that's, that's the corruption. That that, that's how the Bible has been corrupted, Tammy. But can I go back to your initial question? You said, has, um, you said, has Christianity harmed black people? I, I think, was that the question? Yes. Mm -hmm. answer? yes. Um, no, it hasn't harmed black people. It has devastated black people. Christianity has devastated black people. Um, it has slavery. Jim Crow racism. It has boycotted people the way they treat the LBGP community, colonialism, um, evangelism, missionaries, what they did all over the world. So no, it has devastated black people. But what we have to look at, we cannot let it stop there. We have to, we have redefined it. It has also empowered people. It has made oh, us walk right through and walk through the, Jim, through the Jim Crow racism. We fought with Dr. Martin Luther King, my founder, and others, so many others have fought using the tenets of empowerment and soul force of, the end of, of, the, of this work to really empower people. Jesus Christ to us has been a liberator. And you know, I, I and I use his scriptures, what he has spoken about, and those things to empower my life and other people's lives. That's what real Christianity is. It is something that it is, he is the God of the oppressed. He is working on the side of the marginalized, the, the disenfranchised and the vulnerable. He does do that. And he empowers you in such a way that you want to just fight. You want to fight. And even though when someone like Nat Turner, who said he saw the vision of the Lord and it caused him to get up and get his gun and go to battle, I mean, it, that's the spirit of, G of Jesus Christ. It's a loving spirit that he doesn't want to look uh, and see his people oppressed. And so Why is it so jaded then? But, but Pastor, Pastor, <laughs> Pastor Smart, I think what I'm saying here is how is it the love of Jesus that prompts Nat Turner to say, I want to go get my gun and rise up and kill all of these people who have oppressed me versus the love of Jesus being the people who are oppressing going, this is not godly. This is not of God. We will no longer oppress you. And not only that, but also like, what about the turning of the other cheek? I think the greatest crime that was committed to us was forgiveness and grace. That was the greatest poison that was given to us as the people was the idea of the people that are like, I don't even have to keep reiterating what was done, what is still being done to us. 
We're still enslaved yeah. in this country in the well, U.S. Uh, prison this, industrial yeah. complex. I think that the pastor is saying the spirit of Jesus is empowering, somewhat similar yeah, to the spirit of Shango or yourself. But but I think that in the context of what we're talking about, the religion is being so. What for what I understand with the pastor, he's saying that the spirit of Jesus empowers him, the love of God empowers him, but the text of God, which he bases that spirit's access to, is J in time and space and Timmy's alluding to be oppressive. So, Pastor, is that what you're saying? Yes, the whole Christian movement has been corrupted by white supremacy. And if, mm. you know, black, some black folks don't do, believe that, but that's, you know, and you know white people do, does. The biggest corruption comes when we look, go to our homes and we see a blonde, blue-eyed, white boy in our house and saying yeah. that's our God. Sister that has more, done more to the destruction of our people than in America than but anything what else. what did our people believe before then and what was wrong with those traditions? That's my question. No. I want to talk okay. about that, Chantrell. Okay. I want to talk Nothing. about that. What are the differences between Christianity and traditional African religion? We don't have time to get into it right now because we've got to go to break, but I definitely want to hear your thoughts on that, Priest Chantrell. What are the differences between Christianity and traditional African beliefs? Because I, I want to know too, why did our traditional African beliefs dwindle down to the biblical version that we have today? Let's take a quick break, come right back and find out. Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I am Tammy Mack, and I want to get down to the business of being black today. It's, is Christianity a white man's religion? Lisa, what are the differences between traditional religion and, uh, I'm sorry, traditional Christianity and traditional African religion? Yeah, I think uh, that's a great question. I think if you look at uh, traditional Christianity, it is an exclusive religion that there is one God um, that is three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, and that we are born sinners because of Adam's sin. And there was a Savior, Jesus Christ, that died for our sins, um, that if we accept we are not only rescued uh, from the sin, uh, the the sin that we are uh, born into, but we also res uh, rescued for the final punishment of sin, uh, which is uh, an eternal damnation. And so I think that would be different. I think that was alluded to earlier that the there's the heaven and hell component that's going to be different than in traditional African religions. And there is the idea that we are born in sin and shaped in iniquity because of Adam's sin. And we need a savior to rescue us. And that comes in Jesus Christ, death, burial and resurrection. But that is not traditional African religion. Not at all. That is Christianity. Yes. And well, then what I is it that African religion says, Priest uh, Chantrell? So in African spirituality, and there's we use like ATR, the, the, the um, acronym of ATR is to talk about the umbrella term, right? Because there are many different African religions or traditional African religions, those that originated on a continent itself, and then those that evolved from those original beliefs throughout the transatlantic slave trade from our enslaved ancestors and survived, right? Such as Vodou in Haiti and Vodou in New Orleans, Santeria, Lukumi, uh, Candomblé in Brazil, um, and um, in uh, Bakongo tradition and hoodoo. So, but they do not have the same basis as Christianity? What would be the difference? What would be the difference? The first one is that it was said, one of the tools of enslavement was that we were polytheistic, that we had many gods and goddesses. Like people are familiar now because of Beyonce and popular culture, Oshun, the river goddess, right? In Greek mythology, they had Venus and uh, Aphrodite. Those are not God with a capital G. Those are aspects and manifestations of different, the river, the ocean, the uh, Yemiya, the um, God of thunder and lightning, Shango with my uh, Arisha, Kawo Kabiosile. There is one God, a supreme being in most, Af in all African spiritual system, not most all, right? Now, depending on the system, like Vodou, Dahomey, we've all, I hopefully want to go see Woman King. Dahomey, the phone people, God with a capital G there is Nana Buruku, who is a woman, right? 
in Christianity is this patriarchy of uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, which is often ascribed masculine type of uh, characteristics. So there's this belief in a God with a capital G. There's a belief in higher spirits that are connected with nature. And there is this uh, 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 reverence for our ancestors, this idea of Sankofa, you have to go back and fetch it. You cannot move forward as a human being, as a future, as a, as a community without giving and paying respect to your ancestors. Is there a devil? No. Is there evil? Yes. Is there a hell? No. Is, Is there, there a heaven? Oh yeah, there's a place. Yeah, heaven, Olorun, yes. Where where the the ancestors were, but the other the other difference is that we don't believe that when you die you either in heaven or hell or in purgatory. We believe in African traditional uh, religions, and not only just Africa, in um, Native American indigenous religions, in those Asian uh, uh, nail salons that y'all go into when y'all see those oranges and those incense, mm-hmm. their ancestors. That's true. About it. Right, is that your ancestors are a living part of the community. Many of y'all have seen the movie Coco, right? Like that Disney, um, I think it was Disney, the Disney film or cartoon. If you don't give honor to your ancestors, then it will be forgotten. If you do not honor your ancestors, when you die, you will be forgotten. So there's mm-hmm. a belief that we need to give them- So your- I don't want to forget you, Chantrell. Tell us about some of the projects that you're part of. <laughs> So I, 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 um, in the pandemic, I did a film called In Our Mother's Gardens um, that was brought to Netflix by Ava DuVernay and Array. Um, you can see it on Netflix today. Uh, I started a company called Shop Black with my husband to support Black-owned businesses globally. And currently, I've recently, to answer these questions and help individuals leaving from the church who are looking for answers, I started the ATR's book club, which we have 300 members. In fact, yesterday was our one-year anniversary. Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank Please. you. An ATR's 101 course that people can sign up for by going to bit.ly backslash ATR's 101. And uh, in the end of October, I'll be opening my own Botanica and bookstore. And the Botanica is basically uh, a spiritual a shop. store that I would go shop at. How you yes, you're going to come and shop, baby. So please keep educating us. Lisa, yes. I want to talk to you. Please tell us about the documentary, Unspoken. Yes, it's a documentary that answers this question is Christianity, whiteness, religion. It talks about the history of Christianity uh, from uh, scripture all the way to the present day. We talk about Christianity in Africa. Um, It's available on Amazon Prime. It's called Unspoken. Um, And also uh, Jew 3 Project, we have an array of a multimedia video series and where I talk to young adults who left the church. I talk to people who are part of other faiths of with our people to person series. And we have a series why I don't go. Uh, that's very popular on YouTube as well. And you can find all of that information at Jew3project.org. Thank you. Okay. Uh, pastor. Pastor yes, Smart, talk about, uh, talk about the mission behind Christian liberation movement. The mission, but well, that is, um, first of all, you have to um, be um, a voter. You have to encourage other people to vote. You have to be a practicer of the Beatitudes. You have to be a, uh, my wife, she is the pastor, senior pastor in charge of our church. You're talking about our church. So um, she does that. Um, We are very women-centered, and we have women projects that are always focused on liberating them. We have some health projects. Every every month, we're in in the middle of Lamert Park, where we're we're doing health screenings. We're doing... Um, we, we're now, we do have done vaccinations. We did some last week. We are, you know, the, those, those are important to us. So our health ministry is really powerful and, um, they, they do a lot of stuff, uh, things with the SCLC. And one of the things is that's why I talked about voting. And right now during the month of October, it's going to be election month where we're encouraging black people. I don't care what you believe in. You ought to be voting. I don't care who you're voting for. You need to exercise your right, something that is very important. That's one of the other areas next to religion uh, in the political area. You voting is a way that you make sure that you count and that you're making your voice heard. And so those are some of the things we're working on. So you're definitely liberating over there at Liberation. Thank you, Pastor. Boots, please 
we want to talk about the Spirit Squad. The Spirit Squad, your upcoming album, Roadmap to Mars. Yes. Okay. So first and foremost, I just want to thank you, Tammy and Fox Soul, for allowing me a seat at the table with such prestigious African-American people. I just think it's brilliant. Uh, my name is Boots. I am the hip hop oracle, better known for my celebrity readings and celebrity gossip. However, my one on one appointments, I will empower you. I will give you what I got to give you in terms of spirit. I derive my messages from a tarot card system that you will be able to purchase around the Christmas time period. And I'm not going to spend most of my time plugging myself. I just want to plug everyone else in saying that no matter what we believe differences do manifest themselves but if we can find one thing that unites us all who cares if you're a christian atheist whatever we're all on this planet together yeah oh okay i thought i thought you were still going that was okay let's figure it out okay so i'm gonna give you let's say a sentence a sentence a sentence each one sentence for everybody since you brought it up boots what unites us all so the question is what can we do to unite us all what is it that we can do to unite us all. This world uh, has really become divisive in the last few years. And I'm wondering myself what the cure is. I'm like, uh, who, who was that? Donna Summer, if there's a cure for this, I want it. Oh, uh, Lady Gaga, <laughs> baby, I can be the cure. And maybe I can. One sentence would be, one sentence. What you got? What you got, Boots? One sentence. Okay. Um, oh, God, you're making me nervous. Okay. What I'll say is the acknowledgement that my air is no more expensive than yours is the first step in the general understanding of all creatures. Got it. All right, Pastor. We are in search of the beloved community. And as we exercise and live together as a beloved community, we can alleviate a lot of our problems. That was more than one sentence, Pastor. I'm still trying to figure out what it means, Pastor. <laughs> the beloved community, the beloved community is a community that Dr. King started working on. Okay, you, okay, okay, okay. Uh, Lisa, one sentence. What will unite us all? I think listening with the intent to understand, not just be understood. Ooh, that is so good. Listening with the intent to understand. I love that because we always listen with the intent to talk back and share our own situations. All right. I'm going to let you take us on out of here. Priest Chantrell, one sentence. What will unite us all, sister? Honor our ancestors and call their names. Mm. That's a wrap. Thank you so much, Priest Chantrell, Pastor Smart, Boots, you, and Lisa. Man. That's the business of being black with Tammy Mack. Thank you. The Mazda lineup of SUVs will provide safety, performance, and capability on your journey ahead. From the three-row Mazda CX-9 to the first-ever Mazda CX-50, our sales team is ready to guide you to the SUV for your lifestyle. Shop the Omaha Metro's exclusive Mazda dealers at Woodhouse Mazda in Bellevue or Woodhouse Place Mazda. Visit us online for your next Mazda SUV at WoodhouseMazda.com. Betfred has come all the way from England to the great state of Iowa. With over 50 years of sports betting experience, Fred is known in the UK for three things. Customer service, bonuses, and delivering the best overall experience to players. Need more? Download the Betfred Sports app today and receive up to $250 in free bets when signing up. No emperors, no movie stars, just a sports book you can trust. Download today. Proud partner of the Iowa Wild and Iowa Cubs. Must be 21 plus. Wagers only accepted in Iowa. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-BETS-OFF.